Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of the Hoops Habit Podcast. I am your host, Michael Duggar, and I know it's been a while since I came on, kind of took the summer off to focus on just writing and stuff, doing my writing obligations first, but I feel like now is as good as time as ever to come back and start talking a little basketball. You know, it's kind of a dead period. It's We have like a month before training camp starts and preseason starts in the NBA. There doesn't seem to be any trades on the horizon or any rumors. I think the Carmelo Anthony signing to Houston was the last deal that should go through or a big deal you should per se. Um, I'm recording this on the morning of August 23rd, so if anything happens after that, sorry, missed it, but um, it's been a wild summer, and to kind of refresh and just to keep everyone's thoughts going about what happened and stuff, I'm just going to go division by division, send about five minutes per team, some teams obviously are going to require a little more than five minutes, some teams may require less five minutes, I'm just going to go through all six divisions and just give a little brief refresher of what they did this offseason and a couple things to look forward to before camp starts and like kind of like a big idea um, picture of what they should do, what what to expect and things to look forward to moving forward. And I'm going to start with, I'm going to start in Eastern Conference. I'm not going to go top dog right now. I'm going to start with the Southeastern Division. So um, that that's the Miami Heat. Washington Wizards, Atlanta Hawks, Orlando Magic, Charlotte Hornets. Probably the worst division in, in the NBA, especially by wins and loss record and just by accumulation of talent and stuff like that. So we'll start at the top of that division where the Miami Heat won it at a record of 44-38. and 38. Good enough for the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And they had, were a... They exited week um, week one. <laughs> Sorry, my mind's in football mode right now. They lost in five games to the Philadelphia 76ers in round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And they were one of the few teams to make literally zero roster changes. They were ha- they're were they still hamstrung by the cap. They have a lot of money tied up to... to like they In their heat culture, they have their, a lot of their money spread out amongst their team. Goran Dragic has... Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside... Um, even Luke Babbitt's projected to get fit fourteen million this year. He's brought back Wayne Ellington, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson. These players are part of their Heat culture, as I said before. Before they're back, Tyler Johnson's twenty nineteen point two, James Johnson fourteen point six. Kelly Olynyk has a big contract. Dion Waiters has a a big contract, and Hassan Whiteside has the highest one at twenty five million. So they couldn't really do much with the cap, and. They have, so they have to be hitting on their draft picks, which is something that they, I can't say they've done in the past, because the, they got one of the players, and that's kind of that's kind of like the big idea with the Heat this year, and it's all about Bam and Abayo and Justice Winslow in my eyes, because we saw Bam make strides last year. He didn't play a whole bunch, and they eased him in. You know, you, if you were just watching the games, you would absolutely figure that he was their best big man, including Hassan Whiteside, who we'll get to in a second. And Bam was awesome in Summer League. Just physically looks... He's always been a physical freak. He can jump, he can defend, he can go on the perimeter and defend guards. Great uh, projected rim runner. But he looked really good. You know, he was in the Sacramento, California Classic. He went up... He overwhelmed Bagley, overwhelmed Moritz Wagner, just a couple of these rookies and stuff like that. I know the rookies, and those aren't the two most physically imposing rookies, but he still looked really solid. 
and you can see him. He's clearly going to be the backup center, and if Hassan Whiteside struggles at all and is not fully healthy or fully motivated, you could see him causing Eric Spolster to do a quick trigger and pull Whiteside and just play Bam all the time. And the other guy is Justice Winslow. And this is the guy that everyone is waiting for his jump shot to come around. And everyone is waiting for him to live up to his potential that we saw at Duke. But he's been a letdown throughout his career. Injuries have stopped him a little bit. But this is his fourth season. And the jump shot is still not there. His defense and playmaking is what excites teams like, you know, a lefty version, a southpaw version of Draymond Green. But those that, that waivers too much, you know. And he's too inconsistent. And if he has to play small ball five, but you look at the Heat roster, and a lot of the times, you know, there's Kelly Olnick, there's Bam, there's Hassan Whiteside. Those are three centers, and the, and, the, and that makes up a th- almost a third of your, makes up a quarter of your roster. So it's tough to find a place for him to, to to be thrusted into that small ball five. I think this is the year that they unleash him. I hope they do. That's more wishful thinking, but he's entering a qualifying offer year, and I read a report that the Heat are hesitant to offer him a large deal because of this lack of development and lack of consistency that we that he's shown. So I wouldn't say it's a make or break year for Justice Winslow, but we're getting that point cuz you know, the Heat the Heat are in a weird they're in basketball purgatory per se because they can't they're not really great enough to contend, but they're not good enough to be tanking. I'm not a tanking person anyway because you see there's always talent in the middle of the draft, and they got and they got um, he got Bam out of buyout at the end of the lottery. They got Justice Winslow after the ten, after outside of the top ten, I think number ten pick. So there's always talent there. It's about your development system, which is something that he'd have a great development program. And you know they transformed Deion Waiters' body. James Johnson's one of the most famous transformations. Dwayne Wade, who I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because he's floating retirement, but if he does come back, he'll be here. He came came back from Cleveland and immediately transformed his body back to great playing and getting back to playing shape. So this is this is a year for Winslow to decide. Is he going to be the center of the rebuild or are they just going to let him go and have him test the free agency waters, test restricted free agency, or not even offer him a qualifying offer and make him an unrestricted free agent? So that's one thing, but and then outside of the Bam Justice Winslow thing, the main thing that me is Hassan Whiteside. He had a bone bruise last year that took months to heal, and but he had a four-hour meeting with Eric Spoelstra and Pat Riley to clear the air, get all get out all their grievances and stuff like that. And he says he feels feels as healthy as ever. And the question for me is, can he even stay in the rotation? Can he stay motivated to be in the rotation? Because a lot of people bash him. You know, he doesn't do much besides rebound and block shots and all that stuff. And he's not the best defender on the perimeter. And he's kind of lazy on certain aspects of his game. But we've seen him when he's on the floor, he's pretty effective. And when he's healthy, he's effective. He got bullied by Joel Embiid last year. But I'm not going to say health is the reason. But everyone gets bullied by Joel Embiid. So we'll see if he can continue to evolve within this heat offense. Because if he doesn't, there's going to be more frustrating nights. There's going to be more times where he's sitting out the fourth quarter. And it's going to come back. It's going to, it's going to, he's going to look on the inside and say, hey, do I want to be a better teammate? Do I want to support my team and understand what's best for the team? And if I'm given 23 minutes a game, just give it all you got for those 23 minutes a game. And he can. St- and he's such a good rebounder and shot blocker, he could pick up his two blocks and 13, 14 rebounds in those 23 minutes and add 10 
to 12 points. And he's a, he's an okay back-to-the-basket player, but if he just he's so long that if he hustles on the offensive glass, he, he should be able to get a couple easy putbacks and stuff like that. So can he stay in the rotation, and can he stay healthy? But outside of that, there's expect much of the same this season. I know Deion Waiters is back. He's going to add a second creator to this team because outside of Goran Dragic, there's not really – and James Johnson can kind of create his own shot, but Deion Waiters – is probably the se- is the second best creator on this team. So him getting back from his injury, will he be the same player? Will he fit this mold? You know, everyone loves him. They call him Philly Cheesesteak down there. But I mean, I, I I live in Florida, and a lot of, and a lot of my friends are Heat fans, and they're not really that excited. You know, they they want this team to blow up and stuff like that, or try to make a big move for Kawhi Leonard, or they wanted him to in the offseason, but they don't have the pieces and the assets to do that. So. They're expecting much of the same in this season, as am I. A tough veteran team, well coached by Spolstra, Drogic slashing, creating to the rim, um, Jordan Richardson, or yeah, Jordan Richardson playing great defense, knocking down jumpers, and James Johnson pulling his way to the paint. That's and Tyler Johnson knocking down threes, and Ronnie Rodney McCruder, Wayne Ellington. They have a nice cast of team, but I don't know if it's enough to get over the hump. So to make a step forward, Whiteside needs to return to his old form with rebounding and defensive presence, and we need to see Bam and Winslow become heavy rotation players that produce. And if those things happen, then this team could be in the top four and maybe even steal a, a series. What well, We don't know. And the team I think, we're moving on, the team I think that's going to make, that's going to win this division is the Washington Wizards. And we know what to expect. They were the eight seed last year. They lost in six, yeah, six games of the Toronto Raptors, and it's all it's. Yes, they added a couple people. They added Dwight Howard, who wants to evolve into Kevin Durant, as he says. But and they added Jeff Green and Austin Rivers. They drafted Troy Brown Jr. from Oregon, but and they brought in Thomas Bryant from Indiana from the Lakers, who waived him. I kind of like the Thomas Bryant signing, but. I don't see any avenue from the play. And we can talk about all the new signings they want. Yes, they got more athletic. Howard's an upgrade over Gortat. This will be the best point guard Howard's ever played with. So it could be rim running, the best passer, spacing. Could be that could maybe not revolutionize his career in terms of like becoming a twenty and ten guy, but he was pretty solid for the for the Hornets last year. So and I expect there's going to be more opening lanes for him because the Wizards do a great job of spacing the floor from two to four. And that's why Gortat was so effective. Who Gortat's an underrated pick and, um, pick and roll player himself and finish around the rim. But Dwight's still a step up in my eyes from that, from um, from Gortat. And look at Austin Rivers. He's going to be a defensive. He's more, he's more athletic. He's an athletic guard. So they up their athleticism. Jeff Green from from Georgetown, from DC, from the DC DMV area. He signed in. He had actually played pretty decent last year for the Cavs in the playoffs. Had some moments in that Game 7 against Boston. So, we'll see. I don't really expect them to do much because I expect their lineup to still be Wall, Beal, Otto Porter, Markeith Morris, and Dwight Howard. I think that's what's going to happen. But the main thing for this team is chemistry and John Wall and Bradley Beal. Beal's been playing great. Wall was injured last year, and a lot of people said he looked lazy. And he did; he didn't look lazy. I mean, he looked he looked like a guy who has didn't have his conditioning up because he had a knee injury. And 
There's that infamous picture that floated around during the Team USA minicamp this summer where he looked fat. Not looked fat. He looked a little bit out of shape. Looked like he was hungover and spending a lot of time in Vegas. I'm not worried about that. If he can play his way into shape, the Wizards are a sleeper in the East. It's that simple. I don't know because he's 27. Beal's 25. He's in their prime. Otto Porter's 25. He's in his... He's, in his prime, he can defend. Kelly Obrey Jr. is 22, and he's with Wall being out last year, he got some valuable minutes. This team is talented. Thomas Satorensky, he is another, like there's talent on this team. They go two or three deep at each position now. It's just, can Wall stay healthy? And can Wall evolve as a leader? And I'm not, and I don't know if that can happen. It's tough to get a read on him as a leader with this team, but they're still arguably a top five, top three talented backcourt in the NBA while and Beal when they're clicking. Um, they have three and D wings and Oubre and Porter. Markeith Morris, we need to see more of him, but we know he's a valuable defender and, a, and a, can set some space to force talent and stuff like that. And then Dwight Howard's Dwight Howard. You look at their bench, I mean, a bench of uh, Ty Lawson, who actually played well last year? Ty Lawson, Sadoransky, um, Ubre Jr. is probably going to be coming off the bench. Jeff Green and Mahimney or Thomas Bryant or Troy Brown. Like, there's a lot of talent. Scott Brooks is gets a lot of um gets doesn't get the most respect around the around the league for his coaching ability because we haven't seen them do a lot of different things. But I. Th- this is this is a make or break year for a lot of people in this franchise, and that's including Scott Brooks. If this team is not a top five seed, does not win this division, and does not win at least one playoff series, I think Scott Brooks is gone because the talent is there. I don't know who in the East has the, the no one in the East has this guard talent has a better one two punch of the guard. If I'm not mistaken, let me go through the teams. Yeah, no team in the in the, in the East has that as good as guards as these guys. So it's just like it's same with the Heat, same story every year. Can Wall stay healthy? Can Wall and Beal coexist and keep everything going positive? And then this year, the added wrinkle is how will Dwight Howard mix? This is going to be an Austin Rivers. This is going to be a lot of personalities in one locker, in one locker room. So Scott Brooks has to manage on the court and off the court just as well. Do I think he can do it? I'm hopeful because I think I've I've always I always fall for the Wizards preseason, and they do something in the postseason every year that gets me hype. And I'm just going to, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the title or make the Eastern, maybe not even make the Eastern Conference Finals, but the Wizards can make noise. And if you look at their team, their age, this is the year to do it. LeBron's gone. Celtics are going to have some growing pains, I think, with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving back, meshing with their young, young, um, young teammates. Raptors have the Kawhi question. So... It's going to be, I think this is the 76ers. They didn't get deeper. They got younger and they got quicker in some aspects, but they have another rookie down. So I just think the Wizards can get, if they can just get together for eight months, which is a long time in the NBA, I think they're, I think they could be a sleeper. I think they're winning this division. And I don't think that's really a hot take or anything like that, especially with doing with the Heat and the next team. And that is the Charlotte Hornets, who finished with a record of, I don't know why it's not showing up. Um, they finished 36 and 46, missed the playoffs by a couple games, and a lot of that had to do with injuries. 
staying healthy. They traded they traded Dwight Howard for Timothy Mozgov and then shipped Mozgov to the Magic for Bismack Biombo. So Biombo's back where he had no, not but that's where he started his career. And looking at this roster, and I picked them to finish top fourth or fifth last year because I really like Cody Zeller. I think I picked Cody Zeller to be my sixth man of the year. So I fell for the Hornets. Hornets buzz, you could say, bad pun of the day. Um, so that's that, and I like this team. They're gonna have, they have it's an upgrading coach and system with an offensive system. They're gonna push the pace because last because they've been doing a lot of slow pacing under Steve Clifford, and now they have James Borrego, assistant to the San Antonio Spurs, who's now the head coach. Bring in Tony Parker, draft Miles Bridges. And Devontae Graham, who I like. And then you're looking at this team, and if Nick Batum can stay healthy, who was injured most last season, and we know what we're going to get from uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, which is probably not the best shooting, but you know maybe the Spurs coaching staff can help him a little bit. And you know I like this team for the future. I like what they're building towards the future. The main thing is, will Kemba Walker be on the team for this whole season? Ent- entering the final year of his contract, it's a very tradable contract. You could probably get some de- a decent return, first round pick, maybe some, maybe a young talent or two. But I think this team's going to make a playoff push. I think I, th- I don't know if they're going to sneak in as like the seventh or eighth seed. But looking at this team, there's a lot of young talent. It's a nice blend of young and young and old. Malik Monk will hopefully get some shots this year. Steve Clifford was hesitant to play him. He is an exciting rookie. He has a beautiful shot. Dwayne Bacon, who was a second round pick. In the 2017 draft, he went to my alma mater, Florida State. He, I mean, he's just a physical freak—not physical freak, but he's such—he's so strong and built well. He can get to the rim. He has a nice little shot. He can play the two or the three and stuff like that. So, Miles um, Bridges can play the three or the four. We'll see. We'll see how much playing time he gets over MKG and Marvin Williams. And then you got still got Zeller off the bench. And other young pieces like Willie Herman Gomez, who is a solid big. He's just he doesn't he's not great in one area, but he's he's just a solid big. Knows where to can knows how to rebound. Knows where to be on the offensive defensive side of things. And then we got and we got the Frankie K, Frankie Kaminsky, who you know just shooting just per, a good floor spacer. So I'm not sure. I'm not like really. I'm not as excited with this team as I was last year because it let me down last year and stuff like that. But Projecting towards this season, I think they can make a playoff, make the playoffs, and if they and if things start to teeter fast and their health is health is deteriorating, expect Kemba Walker to be on the move. Expect those those rumors to grow exponentially because he's due a big contract and he's a he's twenty eight years old right now. And you're looking at this roster, they have their two guard of the future. They have Miles Bridges, their wing of the future. They have two of their two of their wings of the future. Malik Monk, their guard of the future, and I'm not going to say Devontae Graham's the guard of the future, but he's a solid player. I think the size may overwhelm him, and in, in going into with this with the backcourt of Malik Monk and Devontae Graham, six three, six two, respectively. That's not really the best defensive backcourt, but that's a nice offensive pairing that can shoot, that can handle, that can do a lot of different things. But you know, it's something that they need to do, and maybe even Tony Parker can get traded too. He's He's on a two-year, two-year, ten million dollar deal again, paid five million a year. So we'll see what that happens. Once again, the main thing with this is the new, is how will, will James Borrego and this coaching staff 
transform this offense and make him an actual entertaining product. Well, they can they do it? I'm not sure. Do I trust the San Antonio? I trust the coach who's been in the San Antonio system for a while to implement his own and stuff like that. We've seen it with Budenholzer, and we're gonna see it in other places too. So, I mean, not much to talk about the Hornets. It's pretty much Kemba. If Kemba, 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 will he get traded? And if not, that means his team's making a playoff push. So, we'll leave the Charlotte Hornets to that and move to the aforementioned Steve um, Steve Clifford, who is now the head coach of the Orlando Magic. And the Magic have pretty much been in NBA. I've not even been in purgatory. They've been just not talked about in any in any positive light. And their main moves this year is they I mean they absorbed Timothy Mozgov's contract. They still have they have a, just a crazy amount of power forwards and centers. It's kind of crazy to even look at their I'm looking at their roster right now and it's crazy. But there's two there's three things. There's as always there's three main pillars with this team. One, they re-signed Aaron Gordon. Four years, think like $85 million deal, fair contract. Jonathan Isaac, who I thought was the number two player, I thought he was actually number one player, number two player in last year's draft. And he is starting to, and he, in summer league, is any indication of what's to come, he is starting to look great. He is putting the ball on the floor. He is shooting well. His defense, that I, what made me so excited, is there. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just, he's probably, he's still one of my favorite players to watch. You know, he has the hairstyle. He's long. He is everywhere in the court, seemingly, because he's so quick. And then you partner, and at first a little bit, I was kind of disappointed. But then you partner him up with a seven foot Mo Bamba, who they drafted sixth, fifth, or sixth overall out of Texas. You combine them on the front court, and that is just, that's too much length for them to handle. That's almost, that's about 16 feet of length between these two. Uh, 14. Yeah, yeah, about seven, about 15, over 15 feet of length between these two players, which is crazy. And we saw how when they were playing on the, on, they were playing together at Vegas, you saw that length overwhelmed people. Yes, the spacing is going to be a lot more, in the, like a lot, um, it's going to be, there's going to be more space in the, in the NBA during the Vegas Summer League, but we see, for the first time in a while, we see a plan with the Orlando Magic. It is to get long, freakish, athletic players. And that's something that Steve Hammond, I think that's his name, that's what they, um, that's what the Bucks, why can't I get this guy? Hold on. Orlando Magic. This is the uh, John Hammond. There we go. Sorry, I got Stephen John Hammond mixed up. John Hammond did this while he just was fell in love with length in Milwaukee. He led him to drafting John, um, Giannis and all that stuff. But we see his plan coming to fruition now. It's only his second year. Isaac Bamba defend the paint, allow them to get on the perimeter and defend like and defend like hell, because they both have the mobility to do that. Bamba, his mobility impressed me. He's not on the level of Isaac in terms of lateral quickness, but it's there. Aaron Gordon, he's going to be playing out of position at the three when these three are all playing together, but that's a lot of size. Gordon's three-pointer improved slightly. Um, He's still only 22. Isaac's 20. Bomba's 20. That's Those are, those are th- for the first time, we have three 
pillars and literal pillars. And I don't even want to talk about the rest of this roster. Wesley Iwundu, he he's gonna I mean he's gonna be in a, probably playing the two guard. He has some three and D talent. Um, they still don't have a point guard outside of Jerry and Grant and DJ Augustine, which is not really the most creative thing. Terrence Ross is in his final. Uh, Terrence Ross is there. I mean, Jonathan Simmons is still there. I think Jonathan Simmons is a good trade candidate get a, to get a second to net a second round pick in return. Um, Justin Jackson. I don't know why they drafted Justin Jackson. Maybe to be like a role player off the bench because he doesn't his skill set and size. I don't. He's from Maryland. Doesn't really fit what doesn't really fit in with the rest of their team. But it's it's. I live an hour and a half away from Orlando, and I'm already going to a couple games. But I mean, I'm gonna get I I get league pass anyway. But I'm gonna be watching most of their games because the development of Bamba and Isaac together as a pairing is as exciting as it as not not exciting, but as intriguing as it gets. Because in a league where everyone's going small, we have the Magic doubling down on their size. I know. I know I'm not mentioning Nikola Vucevic and Mo Spates and all these players like that. Timothy Mozgov, I mentioned him briefly, but even Aaron Gordon. But I've not seen players of Isaac's and Bamba's athleticism and length playing together in the modern NBA in a while. And it's going to be fascinating to watch them to just get out in the perimeter and just see how it goes. So I'm excited for that. And... We're going to go to lead the Magic and go to the cellar of the Eastern Conference. And that's where the 24 and 58 Atlanta Hawks reside. And all expectations are pointing towards them staying at the bottom of the East. And they're one of the people have been puzzled by their moves. They had the third pick in the NBA draft, they traded back with the Dallas Mavericks, who gave up next year's first, first round pick. I let me look. I think it's top 10 protected. Um, give me two seconds. But I'll just keep talking. Um, so they did that, and they drafted Trey Young, and with the other first round pick, they drafted Kevin Horter out of Maryland. And everyone's been saying, "Oh, they drafted their own version of Splash Bros." Their GM is with the Warriors and identified Draymond Green, which means that, and their Draymond Green is Amari Spellman. All of these thi- all things, all of these things like that. Um, why won't they come up? I mean, um, so a lot of people were like, oh, this is whatever. So it is protected top five. I don't know if the Mavericks are going to finish top five, but so that's that. And so a lot of people criticized that trade on draft night. And I know it depends how you feel on as Doncic and Trey Young as prospects. We saw Doncic in the EuroLeague. We didn't see him in summer league. We saw Trey Young struggle for... Struggle in half the games and then was lights out in the other games. But the main takeaway with Trey Young is his passing ability is phenomenal. Maybe not Doncic level, but Trey Young can get can get out get around a pick and roll. You have to honor his shot, and he's just a great passer. And there was a lot of times where the Hawks players, the summer league players, were mishandling passes, missing wide open jump shots. So I'm excited about that, and I'm not going to bash the Hawks for identifying a player they want and getting a top ten six through ten draft pick. In next year's draft, you know people love this. People love this like talent accumulation and tanking. And the Hawks next year have a chance to have two top ten picks. And it's early to say, oh, that draft isn't as talented as this one, and so forth and so on. 
But two top 10 picks, that sets you up to, to complete, not complete, but add a lot of talent. And that's what this tanking era is about, is adding, taking, getting as much chances to add talent as you want. And the other side, people are like, well, you tank to get a Luka Doncic-sized talent. We don't know that. We'll see how Doncic reacts to this NBA. I'm excited to see it. That's probably, that's the biggest question mark heading into the NBA season. So, but I'm, I like the move. You know, I wasn't, I mean, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, that's shooting. Um, Herter is 6'7 out of Maryland. He's 19. They're both 19 years old. And then the other big move they did is they got rid of Dennis Schroeder, their point guard, and they traded him to the to the Oklahoma City Thunder for part of a three-way deal. They got Justin Anderson in the mix and stuff like that. They traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder, got Melo in return, bought out Melo's $24, $25 million contract. And people were bashing that too. Like, you know, they, not people, just, I've seen, just like people in general, like, oh, you got rid of a good player on a, on a deal just to pay Carmelo Anthony for one day of $24 million. Well, Schroeder had three years left on his deal. So instead of paying $18 million for the next, each year for the next three years, they cut that and almost cut that by like 50, they cut it by like 55% and just got rid of Melo. And they have their idea of their young team, and they're going to they're gonna be probably one of the two or three worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst team in the NBA this year. And that's okay for Hawks fans because they have their player in Trey Young. They have their, their star, not star, they have their name that's going to excite fans, hopefully, and put, and put people in their seats. And they have a couple, they have pieces on their roster that I like. Expect Kent, Kent Bazemore to be traded. So I'm looking at DeAndre Bembry, who's a small forward out of St. Joseph's, can handle the ball, can shoot a little bit, but he can put the ball on the deck. That's one ball handler. Torian Prince, 6'8", small forward from Baylor. I love this player. Hustles, finishes around the rim, can shoot, can guard one through four. I love this player. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA to watch. You have Herter, talk about him, lights out shooter, one of the best shooters in the draft. Trey Young, and John Collins at the center position, Bouncy athlete, 6'10 out of Wake Forest, only 20 years old. Throw in um, Amari Spellman, uh, n- another young player from Villanova who can shoot, who's going to be like a 3-and-D three, three type center. There's a lot of ball handlers. There's a lot of spacing and shooting for new head coach Lloyd Pierce to work with. And that's what you're looking for. Lloyd, Lloyd uh, Pierce is on the 76ers staff the past couple years. So he has an understanding of how to handle young talent and deal with these personalities and how it's a long, it's the long game. The 76th, I mean, the Hawks, he wouldn't have accepted this job if he didn't get a guarantee, hey, I'm going to be, I, this, I'm part of this rebuild like I just was with the 76ers under Brett Brown. So the Hawks are not going to be the most, they're not going to be the best team, but they're going to be exciting. And you look at their bench. Jeremy Lin's, they got Jeremy Lin. He's a fun player. He hasn't been healthy, but maybe this time he's healthy. And they have Vince Carter. Any Vince Carter sighting, 40, 41 years old, player grew up who has a, a um, what's the word, has a profound impact and nostalgia to my early, early basketball watching life in the late 90s, early 2000s. So, don't expect a lot of wins and losses, but expect this team to compete, expect them to be fun and get up and down the floor, because Outside of Lynn and Vince Carter, 
everyone that's going to be playing and getting heavy rotation minutes, even Jalen Adams from St. Bonaventure, who they got in the second round or went undrafted, he was he was the player. Where what conference did they play in? Let me look it up real quick. They play in the Atlantic Ten. He was Atlantic Ten Player of the Year. So they have a they have accomplished basketball players in college. They have athletes in Justin Anderson, who I've always liked at Virginia, but he's not he can't really get the offensive game to go with it. Bembry's a smooth player. Collins gets up and down. He's gonna be on highlight finishes. Torian Prince. All these players, Trey and then with Trey Young pulling the strings, and he's gonna have his thirty five point nights where he knocks down eight, nine threes and stuff like that. He's also gonna have the ones where he goes two of seventeen and stuff like that. But that's what that's what we expect. From a young player, especially with one as volatile as a shot and a high volume shooter as he is, so you know, looking at the whole of this division, they have two of the Heat. I think are going to be stagnant. I think the Wizards are going to take a step forward if health, health, um, if the, if they're healthy. And then I look at the Orlando Magic and Atlanta Hawks, and those are two young teams that I'm really excited just to watch. So as a in terms of talent. Right now, competing talent. This isn't a great division. It's probably, like I said, it's probably the worst one in the whole in the whole NBA. But intriguing teams to watch: Hawks and um, Hawks and Magic. Intriguing as it gets. New leadership in um, these two places and the Hornets. So maybe the Hornets can get back to their two year, two or three years ago where they were like a, a tough out in the playoffs. So they have a new coaching staff. New faces, a couple new faces there, but the majority, majority of my attention will be at the bottom of this division with the Hawks and the Magic. So we'll leave the Southeast Division at that, and I think I'm going to go to the Central Eastern Conference, the Central Division next, and talk about that division next. And just a little quick refresher, as the season, as we get closer to the season, I'm going to try this new thing at Hoops Habit where I spend 10, 15, 10 to 20 minutes Depend, like I said, depending on how long I need to go at these divisions and conferences, I'm going to try to get a Hoops Habit writer from every single team that covers every single team on here, have a quick con- have a quick podcast, maybe even blend, them, blend some together to make them like two parts and stuff like that. So Hoops Habit team, don't worry. I'm going to start doing it, cranking them out a little more. Maybe we'll have some come on and talk about these divisions with me. Been I'm a I write for I write for a website fantasy football so that's my other fan that's my other writing gig I host a radio show so it's been tough for me to find a balance right now especially with this dead point the NBA season but I'm focused now focus on the NBA even though if, so stay with me and go check out all the articles at hoopshabit.com growing number of writers we just set a record at fan sided and stuff like that so a lot of exciting things happen with the fan sided team and the hoops habit team so. And if you want some merch, check out the Hoops Habit, I mean the fansided.com merchandise store. We have plenty of stuff there too. So thanks for listening and have a good one.